Welcome back, everybody, to the Mouth and Off Sports Show here, hosted on WBIM 91.5 FM. It's November 19th, and we got another fully loaded show. Uh, don't have everyone in studio yet, but I do have Ryan Brown on the phone. How are we doing today, Ryan? How are we doing? Um, I'm doing all right, Dan. 5-0 in fantasy this week again, so can't really <laughs> complain. Well, there you go. There you go. That's nice, yeah. Uh, I went one-on-one um, in the week that we're in together. Uh, I dropped that one, but my other week I won. Uh, But, yeah, you know, really irrelevant stuff there. But um, I can't wait for the fantasy love and hate. I can't. This whole show is going to be great. I'm really really excited. Um, But, yeah, we have uh, the uh, week 11 slate to kick off with here, specifically the Patriots. Uh, Big win over the Philadelphia Eagles. during uh, Sunday, the midday slate. And, you know, this game probably gives us the most to sink our teeth into uh, other than the Ravens game. I mean, it's the arguably the second hardest team they've uh, played against this year. Um, really only two legitimate teams they've gone up against, and that's been in the past uh, several weeks. Both teams were coming off a bye here, but the Patriots prevail in a low-scoring affair, 17-10. They win on the road. And I think it's a great win uh, just on the surface. Uh, like, you can't really be down on this kind of win, even though the offense looked so bad. I mean, they just – Brady uh, wasn't really on the mark. Uh, just really not a lot out there. I mean, the, the screens, it was either a run or a screen pass. Almost – it felt like every single play, uh, they, they were never able to really look downfield. And it was a lot of, like, it was the dink and dunk Patriots offense, but to the absolute extreme. Do you agree there, Ryan? Yeah, and it just wasn't working the first half. 14 incompletions by Brady, uh, most in in his first half in his career. You just never see that. It wasn't like they were, like you said, it wasn't like they were trying to air it downfield much, if at all. It was screens and short dink and dunks. It wasn't, it just wasn't working that first half. Luckily, they had that that big drive to kick off the second half, and that's all they needed. So, thankfully, the defense showed up. I'm sure we'll talk about how they showed up again uh, as we go further into the show. But to, to wrap up, to, to go on to the to offense, keep it with the offense, is just how many times are we going to look at this team and be like, they can't run the ball, and then they don't show us elsewise. Every, it's like Every week. Sleep, Patriots can't establish the run, repeat. It's, it's miserable. It's, it's miserable. Another game where they couldn't establish the run. It's getting tiresome at this point. Hopefully Isaiah Wynn helps when he comes back, but it's not not great. No, I mean, not at all. And it's it's frustrating, too. I mean, we saw Nikhil Harry get uh, his debut and probably a much bigger uh, workload than he expected with Philip Dorsett going down with the head injury. But... I like I liked what I saw from him a little bit. He had four targets. Th- uh, I'm sorry, five targets, three ca- uh, four catches, I believe, for like 18 yards. Or it was like three catches. He catches on 18 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he yeah targeted four times. He had one drop. But I think just getting him his feet wet. Uh, and he played what, was around like 30 snaps, I think. And like that's that's a fair amount. Like he was their third option essentially uh, once Dorsett went down. And just having him out there, at, at the very least, I think, uh, was a good thing. He was doing a fair amount of uh, run blocking as well, which I thought was interesting. He was running a lot of, like, Josh Gordon-esque routes, like these big slants on the left side, which, you know, I, I think that's kind of 
how he's going to get started in this offense or at least get familiar with it is you know running those easier simplistic routes mm-hmm. yeah yeah he looked for what he did he looked fine i had no qualms with with what uh Nikhil harry did uh, i definitely didn't didn't show me anything crazy yeah. but he also didn't look bad either so that's encouraging that he looked like he belonged and didn't seem out of place or anything like that so i'm encouraged by that um it's it's but, really like yeah, the, the, the offense on a whole was just not just tough and they haven't done well against any sort of like good defenses i'm not saying philly is a great defense or even that they're a good defense but they're 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 complacent defense at, at worst yeah they were able to keep us in check luckily right, our defense right. was just a little bit better yeah and i mean this game rem- reminded me of that buffalo bills game too just a low scoring uh affair uh, the Eagles had their own chances, really, to try to capitalize on the uh, Patriots' offense just being anemic, but they weren't able to get a whole lot going either. Uh, besides that one, like, nine-and-a-half-minute drive, that was really all they were able to do um, throughout the whole game on, on the Patriots. I, I think what's really notable, too, is the Patriots' red zone offense. It really is lacking. Uh, they're 25th in, in the league overall uh, for red zone offense, scoring on only 48.4% of red zone trips, which is not good. That's not what the Patriots have been in the past, especially last year, how they were able to run it so well, um, by the, like right by the goal line. They, I think, and that's where ultimately, once he's really up to speed, I think Nikhil Harry is going to be good in that role if they use him there because he's a big body, athletic, 6'4", big frame, that can really work through uh, defensive backs, I think. So if they can get him involved in the red zone, I think that's huge because they, they obviously can't run it. They were afraid to. Um, at times they had, I think, three, one of their red zone trips um, on Sunday, they had like three straight passes. Just they know they can't run. Like they, they know it. They know they can't do it uh, by the goal line this year either. So I just think having Harry there, just get him really uh like work his way in on the on the red zone trips because i don't think he i don't think he's involved in any of them on sunday but besides that yeah the, the offense i'm not too sure what they can do to really work their way around uh this inefficiency but on the bright side today isaiah Wynn gets activated that's at least a step in the right direction but again is one guy is one guy really going to solve that offensive line I mean, he might be able to help mask some of the really just clear-cut inefficiencies, especially in the run game. Because um, pass blocking wise, not terrible. Like I'm pretty sure uh, from Pro Football Focus or his Football Outsiders, they're ranked in the top five for pass um, blocking, which is kind of I don't know, mind blowing to me. They haven't seemed like they were a great pass blocking uh, offensive line this year so far, but it's clear that. In the run in the run game, they're just inept. Like they cannot figure it out. And, yeah, and I think that's and I think that's what's also affecting the red zone is Oh yeah. They're the fact that they aren't able to muster up any sort of rushing attack just makes them predictable in the red zone. Teams so just don't have to worry about the run and so they play the pass and that makes the pass inefficient and makes that much harder to convert in the red zone. And so until the Patriots are able to get a balanced offense where it's not reliant on no huddle, two-minute spread offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, we're going to have to – it's just going to be a recurring theme. 
and hopefully, like you said, win coming back and maybe give them a spark on the O-line to get the running attack going. But I, I don't, like you said, I don't know if one person is going to be able to make that much of a difference. So it, it, it's got to be a whole, like just a, a unit. Yeah, a uh, unit. Everyone coming together and just saying, all right, we got to we gotta figure this out. Like Brady's been talking about it. It's, it's getting to the point where even now he is just voicing frustrations about oh. not being able to do what he wants to do he anymore. Sounds so and mad, that's yeah. when you know, that's when you know the offense is struggling mightily. Uh, but luckily uh, for him, he's, he still has time to figure it out because the defense is just that, that good where they're yeah. able to tr- pretty much shut down anyone except yeah. for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Why? and that's the, that's the thing too is like I was kind of concerned with um, you know, their second straight matchup going up against a competent QB, albeit missing a few of his weapons uh, in Deshaun Jackson, but... Uh, they were really able to play Zach Ertz really well. Uh, Terrence Brooks had like probably one of the best nights out of the whole defense, and Gilmore too. I just think like they really get exposed by a quarterback as talented as Lamar, where he essentially can do both the running and the passing at the same level, and they're both pretty much elite levels for him. Carson Wentz, I think he's been exposed a little bit this year. I'm not saying he's you know, like a bum, not at all. Uh, Fourth-year guy, uh, still maybe has some trust issues with his his body after that uh, ACL injury. I just think that with this Patriots uh, defense, they really can scheme it and figure out guys and offenses really well. I I just think, like, the Eagles, they don't scare me um, that much offensively, especially without a weapon. But, yeah, I mean... You just got to take uh, the positives here for the defense because without them, I mean, this team, if their defense was, say, you know, not average, but if they weren't having this historic uh, run, I, you know, the Patriots could easy, easily have three or four losses on the year. Oh, and, absolutely. Because this offense they're, is if, just If their defense is perfect. above average, they're, they're just – they'd be losing – they'd be 500. And, uh, the offense is just not good enough uh, to right. be good teams. And it's it's fair to be good defenses. Uh, luckily, the schedule was easy, and they were able to survive it, and pretty much well, survive. Pretty tough for it. I'll take that one back. <laughs> but they, they they were able to handle their business, and but now now they're going in and facing defenses that are no aren't slouches, and right. it's, it now that it's, it's starting to look like rough flooding for the offense. So the defense isn't able to keep doing what they've been doing for the most part all year, and that's just straight-out dominate, uh, it's it's going to be tough to repeat. Oh, yeah. Um, and especially with the Ravens looking so legit, like the way they do, they're only a game back from the Patriots. They have the tiebreaker on them if the Patriots should drop one and the Ravens just kind of keep rolling. Um, so that's like definitely something to keep an eye on. But uh, I just want to segue not actually segue, but kind of uh, introduce. Uh, we got another host in studio. I've been joined by Zachary Lacey. Um, we got Ryan on the phone. Zach, how you doing? Wonderful. How you boys doing? Hey, we're we're living. We're living. Um, yeah, we're just sort of recapping the, the Patriots and the Eagles game and kind of like where they're at, both offensively and defensively. Talked a little bit about Nikhil Harry's debut and just I don't know, like the red zone. Um, just ineptness as well. I, I mentioned right before you came in, uh, they're only scoring on like 48% of their red zone trips. They're 25th in the NFL. 
So I was kind of brainstorming a little bit. Nikhil Harry could be that perfect red zone option if he really gets that Brady trust and they build on what they did on Sunday. Uh, the three receptions for 18 yards, one of them was a third down. Uh, that I think that shows a little bit of trust or at least the foundations of it. So Nikhil Harry at least getting involved. Isaiah Wynn gets activated. That's another positive sign. But ultimately, yeah, it's going to be on that offensive line as a unit to really come together and just figure this thing out, man, because they cannot survive the way they've been running the ball and their just inefficiency in the red zone. Combine those two men, you get to the playoffs where – especially things can get tighter uh officials you know the game they let them play just a little bit more and i think if they are what they are offensively going into the playoffs right now and that happens that just makes it even worse on them because they're just a turnstile um offensive line when it terms to um run defense and offensively yeah they still got a lot of work to do and usually they're not this far behind yeah no i completely agree I think the whole thing starts with the running game. Like I said a couple weeks ago, without a strong running game, then Brady's play action doesn't look as good, and he doesn't have as much time to throw the ball um, with the offensive line struggles. I mean, Newhouse was brutal again. Oh, yeah. Um, Didn't let up any sacks, but he let Brady get hit three times of the five times that he got hit, and Sonny Michelle, 10 for 33. Another wonderful Sony outing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the red zone stuff, yeah, I mean, they got to work on – being able to run the ball, and then that's going to open up the rest of the field. I mean, people are going to have to bring in more big guys to defend the run, and right now they don't need to do that because the front four are just dominating the offensive line. Um, yeah. Overall, I mean, good, good win. The defense, it, it was feeling eerily similar to the Ravens game right off the start. 10 nothing right off the rip. Yep. Two of the first three drives, and then the rest of the game shut them down. Um, so that was great, and then hopefully Dorsett's all right, but if he doesn't get past concussion protocol, then you're right. We might see a lot more Nikhil Harry next week. And it's a good time to get him involved, I guess, especially against Dallas. And their defense isn't elite. Mm-hmm. They're probably middle of the pack. So it could be a good opportunity for him to show what he's got. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just hope, you know, again, there's not like a – you know, like, he, like, I just don't want to see him have, like, a bad game or a bad stretch in a game, and then Brady just, just shuns him and just, just completely goes away with him. I mean, like, at the very least, you know, stop throwing the ball to Sony Michelle and almost, you know, getting balls picked off. I mean, we don't need that. Just focus on James White, uh, Edelman, uh, Harry. Ben Watson actually had three for 53, I believe. I mean, he didn't look bad, but I actually disagree with you there about throwing to Sony. They need to throw to Sony. You think so? I just, oh, man, it's almost he, two years now. and I know, but you can't just have him in there on running plays because then they know they know they, that that's what's coming. You need to be able to at least have him be serviceable in the screen game or little things coming out of the backfield. I mean, yeah. these guys these guys are NFL running backs. They should be able to come out and catch a ball. He just he yep. seems so pedestrian. I mean, I, I, I'm not seeing any of, like, the flash that, you know, he would show from time to time last year. And, I mean, yeah, the the offensive line is a liability. I know that. But this guy, I mean, he really has not done anything the whole season. It's been just the same game after game, whether he's averaging two yards, three yards, only picking up maybe 30 yards, 40 yards in a whole game. It's just, it's really killing them. And Ryan, yeah, sorry to cut you off. 
Yeah, it's just I, I agree with Zach saying you, you can't just hide Tony and only use him in run packages because then the defense is the opposing defense is just going to know what's coming, and we can't. It's already hard enough on the offense as it is right now. You can't make things even more easier to project for the defenses. So you got to get incorporate Tony a little, at least a little bit, to keep the defenses guessing and off balance. And so, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, if you can't just have throwing to James White and running with Sonny Michelle, you got to have a little bit of both. Right. Now, I'm not saying we target Sony Michelle seven, eight times a game, but, yeah, you know, yeah. two, three targets, it, it, just have him at least run run some routes out of the backfield, too, that people aren't queuing in every single time that he's in the game. We're just going to run the ball. Like, this was like, it was like 89% last year that he yeah. ran the ball. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, yeah, you got to get both. You got to get both sides. You got to be a well balanced team. That's the, that's the way you confuse defenses and keep them on their toes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my guy, uh, Nick Folk, another perfect week kicking the ball. Hey, hey, I mean, I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised. I mean, the guy hadn't uh, played in a game in, what, two years? Yeah. I mean, he just comes out here, and he's been perfect. And I don't expect him to, you know, be this guy, like, this perfect for the rest of the way. He's obviously going to miss a few here and there. But at the very least, it seems like they found a guy. They can at least say, okay, we're comfortable having you. Uh, you know, going forward for the foreseeable future this season. Uh, Mike Nugent showed you right away. Yeah. He just could not kick. And he, I mean, whatever it was, you know, kicking it straight into the defensive line or shanking balls like crazy. Almost every game he was into, it wasn't many, uh, you would hear like pregame notes like, oh, Mike Nugent uh, shanking balls left and right in the warmups like consistently. So thankfully they at least have a guy that, Knows what he's doing. Right. He makes the kicks that he's supposed to make. I don't think he's had a kick longer than 40 yards yet, but he's making the ones that you expect every kicker to make, and he's yeah, not costing the team anything. Too. He hasn't really had to add any challenging kicks yet, so I'm definitely going to be waiting, to, wanting to see how he handles a 45-yarder or a 49-yarder with some pressure on it. Right. But for what he's, what is the situations he's been presented with, he's handled them uh, very well, so your boy Nicole. <laughs> Love to see it. Uh, but yeah, going back, I mean, these games are really big now. Like the fact that the Ravens um, are eight and two, they've won six straight. They really look legit. They look like you know last year's K- KC pretty much, um, just with you know a different guy at the helm doing similar stuff. Though uh, I just think uh, these are really big games, Dallas. Um, I don't think they're going to have too much of a tough time with them. It's really just I, I'm going to be looking at the defense a lot in this game too because Amari Cooper, uh, legit threat. Uh, he didn't have a great week this past week, but he's a legit down-the-field threat, uh, versatile receiver. Uh, Zeke Elliott, I, you know, this Pat's Rundy um, still uh, hasn't been, I don't know, it just has not compared nearly to what they've done, uh, you know, Pasty wise, but Zeke Elliott, you know, top five, legit running back in the league, bell cow. I think he's gonna probably look to have a big game too. Um, and how much is that gonna affect the Patriots D? I don't know, but the Ravens were able to absolutely gash you with the run game and control the clock. I wonder if Dallas is gonna try the same type of method where they, they got a guy in Dak that, you know, can run similar types of, uh, you know, plays as the Ravens did in the way that he has mobility, he's a competent passer, and they have a running back that is a lot better than Mark Ingram. 
um, that I just think they're going to really try to control that clock. And that's what I'm concerned about because this Patriots offense, they don't have the ability to bail out their defense. But, you know, at least the defense has the ability to bail out their offense. But against teams like Dallas, these tough teams, they just they have to be better. They have to be better offensively. And, you know, the last few weeks show me that they don't really have the capability of doing that. And, you know, that's unfortunate. Uh, Jonathan has joined the studio. Jonathan, how are we doing, my friend? Good. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. You know, we're out here. Zach got here just a few minutes ago. Got Ryan on the line. And, yeah, I don't want to harp too much on, you know, the Patriots overall, like the Eagles game and how bad their offense is. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we had some relatively breaking news earlier today that I think, you know, as a radio show, it, it would not be it would not be good if we didn't at least cover it, at least a little bit. And that is Antonio Brown uh, apologizing on Twitter and Instagram uh, to the Patriots and Mr. Kraft specifically. I'll read the statement real quick. From AB84, Mr. Kraft, I apologize sincerely to you and your organization, exclamation point. All I wanted to be was an asset to the organization. Sorry for the bad media and the drama. Thank you sincerely, AB, posted with a picture of him and Brady hugging during that Dolphins game. So that's an interesting uh, interesting timing. Tuesday, uh, like early in the week, Patriots offense coming off a rough rough outing Brady barely completing half of his passes and you know Gronk uh confirming pretty much that he's not coming back this year with the announce of his uh his Super Bowl party down in Miami I just think the timing is weird uh you know not to shout out another show but 98.5 earlier Scott Zolak uh the color guy for the Patriots former QB also said that he's heard from people he's close to that it's not you know it's in play. It could be in play. AB coming back. That it could be in play. I just think we have to at least touch on this at the very least because of what the offense has looked like, where we're at, and the fact that even though uh, the fallout was pretty uh, bad in terms of the tweets that AB sent out about Mr. Kraft when he got released, the Patriots are not shy from bringing guys back, especially midseason, late season. They've done it time and time again, but this is obviously a unique case. Um, just initial thoughts on the whole apology. Uh, is there a chance? Is there not a chance? Uh, what do you guys think? Because I think there's a legit chance. Maybe not this week or the next week, but before the regular season's over, I think you put it at least like a five percent chance that he that he comes back. I think there, I think there's a legit possibility. I give it fifteen percent chance, maybe. Oh, oh. Okay. Um, the offense has been that bad that if Brady and Belichick are both on on, on the same page and they really want AB back, I think they can get Kraft to come around. I think um, so. I mean, he wants to win more than anybody. And I know he doesn't want the whole storyline about him and this massage parlor coming back up again. Right. Um, but I think he can move past. I would hope he'd be able to move past that and – get the talent if they really need it because they do they need it man and you saw the connection with ab and brady when when he was here it was immediate and you know gotta win another super bowl before brady's gone and uh ab might be might be the answer yeah uh 
I really wish you had covered this before I came in because this topic is so irrelevant. I don't even want to discuss it. There's 0.0000000.01% chance the Patriots sign Antonio Brown this season. So you're telling let's me just, there's a chance. Let's just yeah, move there's on. Yeah, a chance. I wish you guys had discussed. I, this was not the topic I wanted to come in on because I really it's don't relevant, care. Though. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, no, I don't. I don't. How is it not relevant? Because they're not signing him. But you don't know that. I, I you know. You literally it. do not know that. Nope, not a chance. I'm sorry. No, not a chance. I'm just saying for their color guy, Scott Zolak, to say on their yeah, own radio Zolak, network. And Scott Zolak tweeted out in September, yeah, week nine you get Gronk too after AB square touchdown. Where's Gronk? Week okay, that that's way more in jest. That's a tweet. He went. He was on the Patriots radio station, their yeah, flagship he was station. Talking about all September, how they're going to get Gronk every day, ten to two. Uh, I don't see Gronk on the field. Do you? Okay, but this isn't Gronk. This is a. Completely- this is even less of a chance than Gronk. Gronk, that Gronk rumor was legit. Okay, I can see that. I could have seen that happening. This. No, I'm sorry. Well, Gronk no. is Gronk's choice. This is yeah, it, craft. I'm sorry, not not a chance, no chance. But I, I I gotta interject here. I, what I will say here is there is no shot that we sign AB again until the investi- his investigation by the league is complete and he's clear. His name is cleared of all wrongdoing. There's no way anyone will sign him until that happens. So until we hear the NFL come out and say. AB is innocent, or something along those lines. There is no way we sign him. All right, in two weeks, if that if that happens, what are the chances Patriots sign him? I'd give it. I'd give it about ten percent. I would say less than one percent of one. Yeah, no. I'm just saying though, because he met with the league last Wednesday, correct? Thursday, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thursday or Wednesday, whatever. And then this, you know, Tuesday. This tweet comes out, uh, slash Instagram post, uh, Brady and, like, every other uh, Patriots uh, player pretty much all but liked it. Um, and I'm sorry, but, like, that does kind of at least tell you something. They're still uh, supporting him. They're still at least um, interacting with him on social media. And I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if Kraft were to even consider bringing him back, he would have to, like, meet him face-to-face and, like, man-to-man, like, no tweet or Instagram post is going to change Kraft's mind. It's going to be up to man-to-man thing. But I just think, Jonathan, I think you're you're poo-pooing on it a little bit too hard. Uh, I think it's a little bit too strong. Nope. Um, it's like, I don't know. Even if they don't bring him back, I will say this. They could use him, obviously. I, they, they borderline need him, this offense. Like, just the way they looked against teams with decent defenses like Buffalo and now Philly – you, you know, you're getting held to under 20, and Brady is looking like he's showing his age. He looks like a 46-year-old out there that, you know, just I don't know what it is. Uh, just doesn't have the weapons overall the, with the combination of the O-line. It's not good. They're winning on their defense, which is fine. But they just they haven't looked this uh, inept offensively and I mean, has to be at least a decade. So I will say they need him. What, Ryan? He's a, at, least at the bare minimum, what AB is doing right now is saving face in case the league comes out and clears him of any wrongdoing. Yeah. Then, he, then he'll be like, oh, I, I apologize. Hey, please, please take me back. I want my Super Bowl ring. And so he's at least giving himself a chance 
if the league gives him the chance. Yeah. Which is, I mean, ultimately, he was going to have to put out a tweet like this, um, at least to start that process. Um, and who knows, maybe the league, you know, directed him that. Maybe it was his agent, uh, you know, lawyer, who knows. But ultimately, yeah, I, I would take him back on the Patriots if, you know, he gets cleared and everything. We'll see if that happens, when that happens. But I'm pretty sure they could bring him back pretty much whenever before the playoffs start. Um, I don't think there's, like, a deadline for that because uh, he already played this year. It would just be, you know, he's just a UFA. So yeah. I don't think there's any restrictions there. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, we can segue on from the Patriots if we want. But, yeah, ultimately we can all agree that the offense needs to be better. The defense looked good again. And Nick Folk, our guy. Yeah, and uh, Josh Bailey, or Jake Bailey, another another great day uh Punting. Oh, yeah, that's true. Eight punts, averaging 47 yards. Dude's a stud. Um, everybody thought uh, Belichick was crazy. Let Ryan Allen go after the Super Bowl he had last year, and then this guy comes in, and he's a stud too. Yeah, love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Um, but, yeah, it was an interesting uh, week overall. I mean, we can recap some more of Week 11. I know we have more to locks and fantasy favorites to do, but – I think we'd be remiss, too, if we didn't at least bring up the whole Miles Garrett uh, and Mason Rudolph incident. Uh, that's, like, the talk of the week. Thursday night, for those that don't know, uh, Mason Rudolph got uh, not sacked, but he got knocked down kind of late, um, and Miles Garrett kind of laid there on him, and Rudolph tries to take off uh, Garrett's helmet. Unsuccessful. Garrett gets up, basically just rips Rudolph's helmet off and then gets met with some Steelers, and he's able to get a swing with the helmet, um, off and he hits Rudolph right in the head. Could have been a lot worse. I'll just say this. We don't have to stay too much on this. That could have been career-ending for Miles Garrett and Rudolph if that went... If that just... If he hit him with the crown of the helmet anywhere else on the head, Mason Rudolph would have been just a bloody mess. Not just career-ending. That could have been life-ending life yeah. for Mason Rudolph. If, if Miles Garrett catches him with, like, perfectly square on the temple there, oh. it, it, dude could be in the ground right now. Yeah. And Garrett gets suspended indefinitely. That could roll into next season. I guess he's appealing the indefinite um, nature of his suspension because they haven't done that. They haven't, or it's not in the CBA that you can indefinitely suspend someone for actions on the field, which if I'm the NFL, you turn around, you want a number? All right, like 14, 15 games. I don't know. But like asking for a number could, I don't know. Be careful what you wish for there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this dude. Goodell said we'll revisit it in the in the summer about the number, and then he goes and wants to file this uh, complaint, whatever, yeah. to try to get it reduced. Like, dude, you're not getting this reduced. He should be. Fontes Perfect got 16 games. Yeah, I know Perfect has done a has been suspended many times, but this should be at least 16 games for him. You mm. you can't do that. I mean, anywhere else, and this is assault and battery. Literally. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the suspension was justified. I've seen a, there's actually a lot of people that are uh, defending Miles Garrett, as crazy as that sounds. I've seen it a lot on the Twitter sphere. You have your, you know, your usual suspects, Max Kellerman, uh, Josina Anderson, all these people. But I, I could spend a whole show on that. But, yes, I think the punishment um, fits the crime for right now. Should he have been kicked out of the league? No. But... 
as you mentioned, Danny's asking for a number. If I was to guess the number, I would say that they're going to give him... Because the number right now, okay, if they suspend him for the rest of this season, would be seven if the Cleveland doesn't make the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. Now, if Cleveland makes the playoffs, okay, hypothetically, right, they're not going to win their division, okay? So they're going to have to play on wild card card. weekend. So if they won the Super Bowl, that would be three. Seven, three, ten. That would be what my guess games-wise would be because that would be the maximum amount of games they could play for the rest of this season if they if the Browns were to go all the way to the Super Bowl. So I don't think... If they're going to give a number, that would be my guess because they want to be safe because let's say they say, yeah, you're suspended eight games. Oh, here he is, AFC Championship game. Miles Garrett is back because that was eight uh, games. So you so, think game one next year in 2020 he's playing? Yeah, no, I don't, because I think that I think that if they had kept it indefinite and he didn't appeal it, I think in game one next year he plays. But if they're going to give him a number, I think that they're going to give him 10 because they want to make sure they cover all their grounds, and that's 10 is the maximum amount of games the Browns could play for the rest of this year. So they want to make sure that if somehow the Browns made it to the Super Bowl this year that he's still suspended for that game. So that would if the Browns yeah. don't make the Super Bowl, then that would mean that Miles Garrett is suspended for weeks one through three of next season. I feel like he should probably sit out a couple next year. I mean, will like will it be harder for them to uphold that kind of number? Maybe, but it's just like I've never seen anything like that. Like I think the closest thing, probably this is a few years back, but Andre Johnson got into it with. Uh, uh, what's yeah, his but that—that's. I mean, you see fists. No, I know. A I know. Fists and a helmet that's, are so different. That's literally what I'm saying. I like this is the like that's the closest thing I, I can think of an, an on-field thing like that. But like this is so egregious. I just think like he he sh- he does not deserve to get to start next year with a clean slate in terms of starting off the year week one. I just think, dude, that is so egregious, and it could have been so much worse. I don't care if the results say. Oh yeah, he just got a headache. He didn't even get concussed. I don't care. You got to set a hard precedent. This is a young player that he was a number one overall pick and has a, still a great future in the league. You know, you're not you're not destroying his career by taking this suspension into let's say week three, week four next year. If anything, you're just furthering that lesson of what you did was so wrong that it's like it's unprecedented. And you deserve the hammer for it, absolutely. Yeah, two things. One, I think that he should go to... I think the NFL should sentence him. I don't know if they can do this within their laws or whatever, but they should sentence him to, like, anger management. Like, he should go to, like, counseling. Like, yeah. he needs to go, like, counseling for, like, to control himself. Yeah, that was and just... Two, oh you said that I agree that his career isn't over, but I would say that his reputation in the league is is done. It's done forever. Oh, he, yeah. he will never live this no, down. No, no matter what he does on the field from here on out, he will never live this down. He will always be a dirty player, and frankly, in my eyes, it's justified. I don't care what he does for the rest of his oh, career. Yeah. What he did on Thursday night, he deserves a dirty reputation forever. Right, and now anything he does, any personal foul or anything, he... Like during games, like he's gonna get the Vontez perfect treatment, right? And he's probably Deserve- gonna get, he's probably gonna get suspended Deserve- right away so, for like any dirty ish hit. I mean, deservedly so, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree, but I don't agree that Mason Rudolph should get should not have been suspended either. This guy, oh yeah, he, he started like I know Miles Garrett hit him late, but he could have just taken the hit, 
whatever, game's over, I He lost. definitely provoked him. And then yeah. he tries to rip the dude's helmet off and then go running after him with no helmet on. I know it's irrehensible, whatever, that <laughs> Miles Garrett swung, his, swung the helmet at the dude, but <laughs> yeah. Mason Rudolph is not without fault here either. No, yeah, for but, sure. And Mason Rudolph, I agree that I don't know if he should have been suspended, but he sh- I think he got fined, didn't he? He got fined like 37000 I think. But yeah. if Ogajobi, the other Browns guy who pushed uh, Well, pushed what him he o- did, that was Bush League, though. That, that was dirty. Yeah. yeah, but he got a one-game suspension. Mason Rudolph should get should have gotten at least a game, too. Mm, I don't know. You see that all the time, though. Like that, Mason Rudolph, that was the classic hold-me-back guy. That was Mason Rudolph. He had the two offensive linemen in front of him. He thought in his mind that he was protected. And it was the classic, you know, hold me back, hold me back. I'm going to run up into his face, but I have protection in front of me and nothing's going to happen. I'm going to say. Of course, something did happen. Miles Garrett, what he did makes Indomitian Sue look like an angel. For what he's been dragged through in the past, yeah, still not good for what Sue's done in his past. But, I mean, like, what Garrett did just, again, I hope we never see anything like that happen again. It was Thursday night, prime time. Like, the whole world was watching, essentially. I mean, it, it doesn't get much worse than that. Like, it really doesn't. And I, again, yeah. Disgusting. The Browns get a good win, too. They beat a good, yep. like, hot Pittsburgh Steelers right, team. Is- and they beat them down pretty much. And then nobody's going to talk about that at all. Nope. It's such a good point. Like, what is my, what are you doing? One, the game is over. There's, yes. what, eight seconds left. Why are you putting. Uh, Rudolph into the ground in the first place, okay? And then two, like, why, what are you so angry about? You just won against your big division rival in a primetime game. Like, that just speaks to the the culture of the Browns. And Freddie Kitchens just must a go. joke. It's just a joke of an organization, time in and time out. And, I mean, they, they, they've just upscaled themselves even more. It's, it's the classic Browns. You always say... How are the Browns going to out-Browns themselves this time? And here you go. They have out-Browns themselves once again. Third and 26. Why is the dude even on the field? Yeah. Why, the game Kitt- is over. The game is so over. Freddie Kittens, why is Miles Garrett even on the field? They need to get rid of Freddie Kittens. <laughs> oh, duh. Like, no, but, like, I spoke this somewhat into existence a few weeks ago, even though it's not like it was a breaking, you know, type of take. But it is his, uh, his first legit year. But the guy is so bad at coaching he's so underqualified for that job and clearly they have a culture issue there because yeah again if that's something that happens in the final seconds of a game that you're about to win you know inexcusable and he sounded very tone deaf about it afterwards he didn't even really he didn't like even really own up to any of it or whatever i i give more props to baker mayfield yes. who literally said that is not okay. He is going to get suspended for that. There's no place for that in this league. Respect to Baker Mayfield for, you know, I don't know, at least being aware in the moment, acknowledging how dirty of a play that was. It wasn't even a play. Just how um, just disgusting that kind of uh, show on the field was for Miles Garrett. Props to Baker Mayfield. Freddie Kittens, uh, Kittens, how about you take some notes from your quarterback? And maybe find a different different uh, team and and position because he's not a head coach. I don't know that guy. Maybe a coordinator, head coach. No, no way. But yeah, so those were some of the hot button items as well. Uh, Kaepernick had a workout as well, but we don't. I mean, we would need like two more shows to really dig into all of that. We have a lot to get to. Yeah. Um. So 
Uh, moving on, I mean, we already talked about Dallas a little bit. Um, you know, <coughs> been on this for a while. We can get to Mortal Locks and Fantasy Favorites, shall we? Sure. Um, Ryan, I don't know if you're uh, if you're still there or not, but... Oh, oh, I am. Okay. All right. Do you want to kick Thanks it off? Thanks for remembering. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, do you want to kick it off from uh, Mortal Locks? I'll go second. Wink. Sure. So the random number generator last week did <laughs> me dirty. And, Fade Ryan. Uh, I lost that Thursday night football game. Uh, so the random number generator slash I am 0-1. And the random number generator has parked me yet again. And we will be picking the underdog in the Monday night football game this week, which is the Rams and the Ravens. <laughs> the Rams are two and a half point underdogs, which means we will be taking the Rams. And I need all the points I can get. I will not be taking them straight up. Take the Rams two and a half. Please, God, let this hit. Will it hit? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Do not. Do not ride this train as Dan did last week. Please fade me. This is how you will win your money this week. Yeah, yeah. So um, with my mortal lock, I really like this Monday night game that you mentioned, uh, Baltimore and uh, the Rams. So, yeah, you took the uh, underdog plus two and a half. I'm going to go with uh, the road team, Baltimore, minus two and a half. You got to fade, Ryan, folks. It's uh, really the only way to go about this. I'm three and six now, thanks to last week, Cleveland, minus three and a half on Pittsburgh. That hit. So, I mean, fade Ryan. That's my mortal walk. Uh, make sure you hammer that. Baltimore minus two and a half on the road. I mean, easy clap. Wow. <laughs> another another battle. Here we Hell go. Oh, yeah. Uh, went one and one last week in my double mortal lock. We stand um, a double mortal so I got, lock. I got one right at least. <laughs> stand. Uh, give me some numbers here. Seattle Seahawks, seven and one coming off a bye in the last eight years. 14-5-1 when they've had the rest advantage since 2013. 3-0 this year is a road underdog. They are underdogs this week going to Philly. How Philly is favored in this game, I have no idea. But <laughs> I'll Hammer... Tell you I can, I can, okay. can I tell you why they Yeah, please favorite? tell me why. Seattle? Don't, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Don't <laughs> let him do it. Left Coast team Don't coming do east. Don't let him do it. Not doing it. Game. Not doing it. Local time. Yep. That is why Seahawks... Not doing it. Meet this kid, Mike. Our underdogs against Hammer, muted. hammer the Seahawks. This kid's muted. That's terrible. Tough I scene. should have seen it coming. <laughs> Seattle, money line. Go get them. All right, Jonathan. Am I unmuted? Yeah, yeah. You okay, so now. what I said, if you didn't hear me, was uh, you got no, your classic no, you're left coast you're good. team. Just go ahead. Okay, okay. All right, you're back. All right. So, Daniel. I love your pick. Thank you. But it's way too easy. That is the easiest bet. That's the moral log of the century. The yeah. Rams easiest bet on the board. Stink. I don't know how in the world they are only two and a half point underdogs. I mean, that game is it, it, the Ravens might win by 30 points. <laughs> I mean, if that was a 10 and a half. I'd probably still take Ravens. Like, I don't even if the game was in Baltimore, I think it would be 14 points at least. Like, I mean, the Rams are so awful. Jerry Goff is just so bad. <laughs> that's just an easy one. Too easy. So that's why I'm refusing to to uh, also double down, I guess, for my moral luck. I'm going to go where I went last week. Uh, another win for me last week. Just my record on this show is by far the best. Humble brag. Give me some Lions. Minus three and a half at Washington. I have picked the Jets money line. 
They were underdogs at Washington last week. Blew them out. Dwayne Haskins stinks. I don't care who's the quarterback for the Lions. If it's Jeff Driscoll, I don't care if it's uh, Orvlovsky and he's running out the back of the end zone, <laughs> like in in the in the dome in Minnesota. This R words team, they stink. Okay, they're awful. They they're probably them or Cincinnati's by far the worst team in the league. If they didn't somehow beat Miami back in whatever week four or week five or week six, they're going 0-16. Team's horrible. Love me some Lions minus three and a half. Even if Jeff Driscoll, that trash can, is quarterback. In Whoa, he had a good week last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Well, even better. They they kept it relatively close against a good Cowboys team, and now they get to play the awful Washington team. I just love this pick. This is at least a touchdown game for the Lions. At least. I mean, they just Washington just got blown out at home by the Jets for crying out loud. Washington just scored their first touchdown in sixteen. Quarters. I mean, they're a joke. <laughs> They're awful. This is an easy, easy bet. All right, I like these. I like these locks. Besides Ryan's, I think they're all pretty solid. <laughs> Ryan you know? also doesn't yeah, like his. <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't bank on the number generator. It, it, it's not looking good. Yeah, just fade it, like me. Um, exactly. So that will lead us to fantasy love. And Ryan, would you like to kick this off again? Sure. All right, sir. What do you got? Wait on me. I'm sorry, what was that? James Conner is already highly questionable after leaving last week early um, with another screen his shoulder. Uh, so he's probably not going to play. Uh, if, he, if he does, he'll be likely limited. Uh, Samuels is really set to feast on the Bengals again. He has 10 carries uh, for 26 yards and a touchdown, as well as 8 receptions for 57 receiving yards. And the first meeting, and that was with James Conner in the lineup. Yeah. Conner himself also had eight receptions. So regardless of whether James Conner plays for the Steelers this week, Jalen Samuels is a great play this week. Uh, he's only owned at 52% of leagues. Uh, I was, if, if, he, if he's still out there, scoop him up and plug him in. Not he, in our he's league. He's going to feast on the Bengals. I, I like it, Ryan. He was my fantasy love uh, a few weeks ago, and then I scooped him up that same day um, in our league. That's a good fantasy love. Um, I'm going to stay on the running back train. This one um, is literally, if he's picked up in your league, like you are, like, I don't know, just a very deep league because Bo Scarborough, um, who was picked up by the Lions and had a pretty decent game against Dallas. Real tied. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Dan um, said yeah to roll tide. No. 47 minutes. Clip that. Oh, geez. Well, anyways, Bo Scarborough put up 11.5 in the ESPN PPR uh, format against Dallas. And, you know, he's only 0.3% owned. 0.3% owned in all the leagues in uh, ESPN format. That means he's available. And I just think, you know, 14 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown against Dallas. Um I like that. I like that. And they're going up against the Redskins next week, who Jonathan um, alluded to. They are terrible. Um, they have an average run D. They're really just a horrible football team altogether. So uh, look for the Lions to win in that one and Bo Scarborough uh, to have at least 10 points. If you need a flex or something like that, um, yeah, look for uh, look for Bo. I'm fading that one. Oh, sir. I, I, I don't think he gets 10 points. Really? Yeah. I, the Lions running back carousel, I'm over it. 
I'm out on all of the line. That? Oh, absolutely. All right, on the board. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Jonathan is going to love my love this week. Your boy, Josh Gordon. Oh, yeah. Bring that him back. is so sus. Bring him back. Pick. At least 10 points this week. Oh, uh, that's a four for four. Uh, Tyler. <laughs> four for four, baby. Tyler Lockett, probably going to be limited in the game if he even plays at all. Russell Wilson showed a little bit of trust in Gordon last week. Only two catches, but they were both on third downs later in the game. Josh Gordon looked good. I love it. Love Seattle this week and love me some Josh Gordon. Wow, that is just a terrible pick. That's toxic. All right, uh, my pick is Ryan's going to like this one. I am not an Oakland Raiders fan. I've said this multiple times with this program. I still think they're trash. But Same here. I am. My love this week is give me some Clemson star Hunter Renfro this week at the Jets. All right? The Jets have been getting torched uh, through the air this year. They even got torched by that anemic Washington team. They played uh, the Giants the week before. Slayton went off. uh, Golden Tate went off. I mean, they're just getting absolutely torched through the air. Renfro, in his last four games, has at least four catches double digits in PPR in three of those last four. And he led Oakland's wideouts in targets last week against Cincinnati over Tyrell Williams. I think he's overtaking Tyrell Williams as Derek Carr's number one wide receiver option behind Darren Waller, obviously. Give me some Hunter Renfro. This is going to be a, a high-scoring game. I, I love me. You know, he's only owning 7% of leagues. Throw him in the flex. He's probably good for 12 to 15 points this week. Love the Hunter Renfro play. Okay, okay. So some solid fantasy love all around. Um, you know, I don't really have any complaints. Um, fantasy hate. Um, I'm going to start this one because, you know, this uh, the fantasy hate is really deserved um, for, for my, my pick this week. I can't stress it enough. My fantasy hate um, for week 11 is uh, myself. Uh, yeah. Why? Why, do you ask? Um, take take the advice, Dan. Maybe when fantasy love is spread on the show, you take the advice, you apply it to your own team, and maybe you don't lose to Nick, a.k.a. guest caller, because I started the Vikings D instead of Jets D, which was my fantasy love last week, the, the Jets D. I didn't start them. They had 11 points to the Vikings 3. And then, and then, to make matters worse... No, I didn't start Dawson Knox, which was Jonathan's fantasy love last week. No, I didn't take his advice. You know what I did as a stupid moron? I picked up Vance McDonald, that bum, and I started him on Thursday night, and that dude only got me 6.3 points. I lost by a total of 10, uh, approximately, which means if you, you you just do the quick math, I would have won if I just listened to the show. I took the advice. So fantasy hate, Dan Sadik, you bum. How about you figure out your fantasy team for once so you don't miss the playoffs? The floor is yours. Love that. Ryan, do you want to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Sir? Sir? We can't really hear you, sir. I don't think he can hear us either. Tower Boyd. That was with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Now you got 
stupid idiot moron, worst quarterback I think I've ever seen throw a ball in professional sports, uh, Ryan Finley at quarterback. And lastly, he didn't even look at Tyler Boyd. He had one reception for zero yards on Tough. three yards. It's, it's just, even though Oakland is like okay, like they'll, they'll give up some stuff, uh, he had nothing. Tyler Boyd is an awful play this week. <laughs> Against uh, Steelers, just there's got to be you can you can find better. You got to be able to find better. Okay, so Ryan hates Tower Boyd this week. Um, fair, fair. Zach, would you like to chime in? Yeah, um, quick one. Tough news. Damian Williams goes down yesterday. Um, when I'm going to beat Alec and gets two rushing touchdowns vultured inside the five. But you know, we're moving on from that. Um, but <laughs> what I don't like this week, I'm fading. One guy in my own lineup, Michael Gallup, going against the Pats. Questionable whether Mari Cooper is even going to play this week. And even if he does, Pats, D, as the strength has been their past D. And if Mari Cooper doesn't play, then Stefan Gilmore is definitely going to be all over Gallup. And uh, it's not going to be a good week for me, and I still got to play him. So, on to you. Okay, uh, I'm going a little bit outside the box this week. Mine is not even football-related, but I, I'll keep this brief. I know this will touch some in the studio right now. My hate this week is Dunkin' Donuts. I'm a Mary Lou's guy, but Dunkin' Donuts is getting rid Thank of their you. hot cups. And this is an atrocious play by Dunkin' Donuts. Go Sit off. them in your lineup, Go okay? Off. I'm done with this. This is ridiculous. It just charged me 25 cents if I want a hot cup. The hot cup with the iced coffee is a revolutionary yes. play. Yes. And now our us, Go we just can't get it anymore. I don't even, I barely drink Dunkin' Donuts. I probably drink a Dunkin' Donuts coffee once every two weeks. But when I'm drinking that coffee, you know damn well I got my hot cup on the, on, over the, uh, over the regular cup. Because, you know, the one, it's just too cold, it's iced coffee. And two, I don't have to worry about a kosher if I put it down because that, Styrofoam cup is going to soup up all that condensation that's coming off the coffee. And now Dunkin' Donuts is is getting rid of it for what uh, the environment, but they're still putting straws in all their coffee, so what's the big deal? Speak truth to power. Beautiful. Well said. Never agreed with anything more on the show. (laughs) Thank you. I've already started collecting. Literally, yeah. <laughs> I got one this morning, and I brought it back to my house, and I'm like, I'm holding on to this like it's, yep. like it's, you know, it's a limited edition thing now. Like it's gold. It's, it's, a, it's a currency. Be able to sell it for thirty five bucks in a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh yeah, like Christmas is coming. Oh yeah, get, <laughs> get people hot cups for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Santa's coming. Let's go. Oh, all right. I think uh, that was the perfect way to cap off the fantasy hate. I couldn't agree with you more, Jonathan. As a show. It's probably the only thing we could ever possibly completely agree on. So I love that. But I think that should just about do it for the NFL talk this week. Oh, what about uh, power rankings? Oh, the power rankings. Jeez. Um, Forgot them last week, too. This, whoa, you're not wrong. Sir. Oh, shoot. I wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> well, anyways, um, Ryan, I, I mean, we might as well just go right back to you. If you could just speak up a little bit for your power rankings. Uh, I, I can try to. Uh, You're good now. You're good now. Just the for your fantasy hate, you were a little little low. Yeah, sorry about that. No, we uh, do. So so going five to one as usual. Yep. Alright. Definitely doing this on the fly, so let's That's fine. see let's see what 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 do I feel like putting at number five. 
we'll leave the Green Bay Packers at five. I had them at five last week. They had a bye week. We'll, we'll keep them at five. Uh, at four, we'll, we'll keep the New Orleans Saints at four. They had, they were able to bounce back and get a win, but it didn't look all that impressive against, uh, I believe it was the Bucs. Uh, number three, we'll go New England. They, the defense definitely showed me something against a, a good offensive team, but the offensive struggles, I, I can't bump them up through that, even even in a road win against a winning team. Uh, I got Seattle at two, and I'm keeping Baltimore at one. Six in a row, Lamar Jackson looking like an MVP favorite. No questions asked, Baltimore is the hottest team in the league right now. Yep. Yep, 100%. Um, so for me, uh, start at five. Um, I got the Saints at five. Um, I think I still need to see a little bit more out of them consistency-wise. And, for, you know, ultimately I still think they're a pretty good team. I think they're a contender. But uh, I need to see a little bit more if I want to bump them up to, like, the top three or anything like that. And then got uh, my Seahawks at four. Uh, Russell Wilson having himself uh, a heck of a year. Um, if Jadavion Clowney can actually consistently try, um, I think their defense uh, can actually be a factor or, you know, not be a liability at the very least. And then uh, number three, uh, f- number three, I got the Patriots. So the, re- the reason for that is uh, the offense. Like, yeah, they're 9-1. They're tied for the best record in the league. Um, I just think offensively right now things need to change or else I don't see them going to the Super Bowl if their offense still looks like this plain and simple their defense is historic but if they look like they did um, on Sunday if that trend continues in any shape or form it just does not bode well I I don't like their chances so number three uh, for the Patriots and then number two uh, Niners I think Jimmy G Yes, he had a couple picks um, against the Cardinals, but ultimately, I think he's thrown the ball really well. Uh, I think their defense overall, it's not going to be lights out every week like, like the Patriots uh, pretty much is. But Jimmy G, uh, so far, I think the last like six to seven weeks have been exponentially better than um, his first few. And he's starting, I think, to sneak his way into that MVP conversation just a little bit. Um, if he can just keep putting up these numbers... Um, that he's been doing the past few weeks, I think that's I think that's good for him. Number one, Ravens. I mean, you're going to blow out the Houston Texans, forty-one to seven, just ridiculous. Like you are legit. I am afraid of the Baltimore Ravens, uh, even if they have to come to Foxborough. I'm sorry, they are a scary team, and I pray, I pray the Patriots don't have to meet them in the playoffs. Although it would be a pretty awesome matchup to see. Uh, so that's my top five. Pretty good. Uh, I'm have a little bit of a shocker dropping out of my top five, but um, number five, I got the Kirk Cousins led Minnesota Vikings. Oh baby, yeah, starting to look good, and uh, even without Thielen, they've they continue to roll a little bit. Huge come from behind win this week. They got down twenty nothing to start at at a halftime, and then roll back, and they score twenty in the fourth quarter and come back and win. Awesome win for Kirk Cousins. Doesn't get many fourth quarter. Come, he was 0-10-1, down by Ooh. 10 in the fourth quarter in his career. And, uh, man, they got Dalvin Cook running the ball. And defense has been okay. Uh, so they're moving up 
my ranks. I got the Saints at four. Like you guys said, bounce back yeah. after a tough loss to beat a good, at least a good offense in Tampa Bay. They turned over uh, Jameis four times. Uh, three, you got the Seahawks. Russell Wilson playing out of his mind, probably only second to Lamar right now uh, as far as MVP in my mind. Then at two, we got San Francisco and Jimmy G keeps doing things in the fourth quarter, man. He, even though they lost that game at OT, he still drove them down. They had him mm. in position, so he's he's playing really well, and their defense is legit too. And then at number one is Baltimore, I mean, there's no question about it. Then the best team and the hottest team in the league, nobody can stop Lamar right now, other than the Browns a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, the knock on them coming in was that their defense was so bad, and then they hold. Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins seven points, even though they had that terrible pass interference call where that guy hugged uh, Hopkins in the f- second quarter or something like that. Yeah, first quarter. Yeah, and they challenged it and still didn't overrule it, which is just baffling to me. But, yep, Baltimore number one, and uh, so you guys can see no Patriots in my top five. Yeah, wow. uh, that's that's ridiculous. Um, I, don't I don't think so. It. Their offense is so bad. You said Minnesota looks – you said Minnesota, they're looking good right now. Oh, so they look Minnesota, better. They when, look they, better get, than when the they get down 20 nothing to a trash Broncos team, that's looking good. And they come back and win. Would the Patriots do that right now? No. I think they would. If no, I don't think Broncos, so. Broncos, they would never get down I, 20 nothing to the Broncos. Well, the if they place. did, I, I don't think they'd they be able to come back from that right now. Uh, whatever. Right now. That's what, yeah. Whatever. That would never happen because they would never get down 20 nothing to the Broncos. But yeah, I okay. don't agree with that. My top five is the exact same that I had last week. It has not moved. One iota. I got New Orleans at number five. Good bounce back win against Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston, once again, awful. You had bad Jameis this weekend. A good win for them. Number four, I have San Francisco. Another okay win for them. Uh, You know, Arizona's not that good of a team, and they were down by a lot. Uh, Just because they came back and win, that doesn't win them brownie points like I guess it does for Zach. I didn't uh, say that about San Francisco. Well, you know what I'm saying. Number three, I got Seattle. They're on the bye. They did nothing to lose their status, so that's where they remain. Number two, I got the Pats. Uh, gritty road win. Offense looks like trash. Defense is legit. Really good bounce back for the Pats defense coming off the previous week. So good for them. Number one, obviously, Ravens. How can you not? They just blew out another AFC contender at home, 41-7. Blew out the Pats. Now they get to go to L.A. and play a garbage Rams team that I would never bet on in my life. Ravens number one. Easy pick. Lamar Jackson is now the MVP front runner in Vegas. Yep. Uh, so we'll see where he goes the rest of the season. Okay. Pretty solid all around. Uh, Zach? Did not expect you to keep the Pats out of uh, your power rankings, but okay, okay. We'll see if they can get back in your good graces uh, against the Cowboys. But that's going to do it for NFL Talk. We'll come back with uh, some college football playoff rankings, uh, an update there, and some more segments to follow after that. And, yeah, so we'll be back in just a few short minutes. You're listening to the Mouth and Off show here on 91.5 WBIM. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to 91.5 FM WBIM. Forget the mattress and cookie jar. There's a much safer place to put your money in a bank insured by the FDIC. If you have up to $250,000 in checking, savings, or a CD, 
You can't lose a penny. Your money is 100% protected. Visit FDIC.gov to learn more or call 1-877-ASK-FDIC. The more you know, the safer your money. This message is brought to you by the FDIC, the Ad Council, and 91.5 WBIM. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Mouth and Off Sports Show here on 91.5 WBIM. And moving on, we got the college football playoff rankings update. And we'll lead off with uh, Zach here. All right, so we had the second college football playoff rankings come out last week. Your top four is LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. Uh, a little surprised there with Georgia instead of Bama in the four spot, but understandable. Uh the next group we had Bama, Oregon, Utah, Minnesota, Penn State, and Oklahoma round out the top ten. Uh, you had the Minnesota with a huge jump after beating Penn State and keeping their undefeated season alive. Unfortunately, it wouldn't last very long as they lost to Jonathan's Iowa Hawks this past weekend. <laughs> uh, they're still in the driver's seat to make the Big Ten championship game out of that side of the division. Uh, but they do have to play Wisconsin in a couple weeks as their last game of the regular season. And if they lose that, then Wisconsin or Iowa would jump them into that title game. Mm-hmm. Um, we also we had Georgia play number 12 Auburn this weekend in one of the bigger games of the weekend. It was looking like a rout uh, with Georgia up 21 nothing, and then Auburn made it a game in the second half. Uh, but Georgia escaped with a 21-14 road win that should keep them solidified in that number four spot. Uh, Bama won big this week, but they lost their quarterback to a Tagovailoa uh, for the season after a big hit that dislo- or has a hip injury. Um, when they were up 35-3, to two minutes left in the first half, they are just going through a two-minute drill, basically get them some more reps uh, coming off the ankle injury. And then he gets hurt and done for the season and it's a it's a sad thing for him he's a this is one of the great quarterbacks in college football yeah and uh he goes down with an injury like this i just really hope it doesn't kill his draft stock too much this dude is probably going to be a top five top ten pick and people are saying now he might slide out of the first round oh um that's it's tough to hear um but going forward for bama they'll have sophomore mac jones stepping into the starting role for the rest of the season I mean, Alabama's never really had great quarterbacks, so this isn't as big of a concern for a Bama thing. They still have a good defense and one of the better receiving cores in the country. Um, But the young kid plays Auburn in two weeks. We'll find out a lot then. Uh, They should stick around in the top five or six for the time being. Uh, As I said, Minnesota lost to (coughs) Penn State. And then we had the Oklahoma-Baylor game. Huge game. Baylor comes in undefeated, number 11 in the ranks against Oklahoma, and they go up huge, 28-3. to as we, oh. as we all know, though, <laughs> Pats and Falcons fans know, 28-3, to the worst lead in football. Most dangerous lead. Most dangerous lead in football. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, Baylor doesn't score a single point in the second half. Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts come storming back. And they squeak out a victory, 
This kind of win, Jonathan doesn't like come from come from behind wins. I do. This kind of win puts them back in the conversation for the CFP, possibly moving them up to maybe number six, maybe ahead of the Pac-12 teams. We'll see what the committee feels about that that win, but it firmly entrenches them back in the conversation. As I mentioned, those two Pac-12 teams, Utah and Oregon, both won huge this week. They don't play anybody for the rest of the season pretty much until those two teams will meet in the Pac-12 championship game. So for me, there's not going to be a lot of change in the when the new CFP comes out tonight. I think the top five will probably remain unchanged with LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and Bama. Yeah. Then, as I said, there's probably a good there's a good chance that Oklahoma could jump those two teams. Um, then after then after that, Oklahoma, Utah, Oregon. Then we'll have probably Penn State and Florida round out the top ten. Mm-hmm. Going forward, there's the clear top three top three teams that are undefeated, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson. If those teams went out, they're in. And then that would mean that LSU would have beat Georgia in the SEC championship, opening up the fourth spot, which is where the real fun comes in because there'll be a one-loss Pac-12 championship, Pac-12 champion. If Oklahoma wins out, there'll be a one-loss Big 12 champion, and then Bama with their only loss being to the number one team in the country, LSU. It's going to be real exciting coming up. We'll have a big game this weekend with uh, Penn State going to the horseshoe to play Ohio State. If Ohio State wants to if keep their chances alive, they have to win this game. If they lose, Penn State's going to go to the Big Ten championship game, and Ohio State pretty much has no shot to get in. And then Penn State, this is your last shot. I mean, you lost the game you were supposed to win against Minnesota. Now you got to show up. Yeah. And uh, it should be an exciting weekend. Other than that, there's not many... Uh, top 25 teams playing each other. Um, yeah, that's about it for the college football. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Go Tigers. Um, that's all I have to add to that. Go Tigers. There was actually, I, this is totally like irrelevant, but I saw like a little montage. I forget who put it up, which page, but it was one of the media pages. Um, and they went week after week, the post game with Coach O. Every time he said, Go Tigers. It was one of the most wholesome pieces of content I've seen in quite some time. Just Coach O saying "Go Tigers" to cap off a post-game sideline interview. Nothing like it in sports. It's one of the most beautiful things. Coach O's voice is just majestic. <laughs> that guy could be talking <laughs> politics, and I would still be in, in, <laughs> intrigued, intrigued of what he is saying. Yeah. Just and when Jonathan wants to talk about Tagalog and all this stuff, I just tune him out. But if Coach O was talking about it, man, would I be locked in? Yes, 100%. Could not agree with that statement more. Um, but we can segue now over to uh, the Boston Bruins. Um, ultimately, they uh, to sum it up, they do not look nearly as good as they did uh, the last time we spoke to you all. Um, dropping a 4-0 to zero, uh, lead. Uh, which they've never done in their history as a franchise, dropping a 4-0 lead against the Penguins, uh, you just can't do that. I mean, I don't, it's not, you know, it's tough. I believe that was that was Tuesday night, wasn't it? That was last... It wasn't against the Penguins. Oh, no, it was the Flyers, right? No, it was... Uh... I'm blanking. Who was it? I'm blanking so hard. I thought, I thought it was Pittsburgh. I thought it reason. was a Western Conference team. It definitely was a Western Conference was team. Was the Sharks? Might have I believe been. it was the oh no it was East, it was the Panthers Panthers. Oh, okay. yep. Regardless, you can't be dropping like those kind of leads. Like that's just that's terrible. And I mean, should they have pulled Tuca in that game? 
I mean, they should have done something after the third goal because clearly the rails were, you know, they were going off the rails there. Uh, I think they'll 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 bounce back. I mean, they've dropped how many in a row? I believe it's four. They no, they they've lost uh, five of their last six. Yeah, five of their last uh, they six. They won uh, last Friday in Toronto. Uh, in regulation. Yeah. Two. I mean, I'm not really worried about them. I don't know about you guys, but uh, still, like, blowing, blowing a four-goal lead is never good, no matter how you started your season. But they've definitely regressed back to the mean a bit um, over the past week or two. Uh, so I don't know where your concern level is at, but for me, it's not really that high. It's, it's uh, I'd give it like a four or five. I mean, it's like middling. I just think that they're they're talented enough that they're not going to let a loss like that or a stretch like this, losing five of six. I don't think they're going to let it really affect their play too much going forward. I don't think it's going to linger. But again, I they they dropped one. I believe it was like right before our show last week, and I said I you know I don't think you know that loss was going to linger at all. But clearly it did. But I don't think they're the type of team to let it stay the, uh, much longer than a few games. Yeah, I and mean, I talked about it a few times on this show when they were riding so hot about how huge of a of a thing it was that they started hot because they could afford to, you know, stagnate a little bit. Coast, um, what have you. You know, and still not drop out of the top of the standings because they've built this huge uh, advantage over the rest of the league from starting so hot. And you're seeing that now. Like Dan said, I'm not that worried. I... If, out of 10, I'd say I'm like a 2 or a 3. Uh, Tuca scares me a little bit, but I'm not a Rask fan to begin with. So I Tuca think he always is, scares you. He is what he is. <laughs> I mean, he's going to crap himself in the big games. Um, you know, I don't. I just don't trust him, honestly. He can get hot, and he'll win. He'll win a bunch of games in the regular season because that's what he is. He's a good regular season goalie. And, um, you know. Do you think – what do you think about that – uh, blowing that four-goal lead, though. Doesn't surprise me. Did blow a 3-0 series lead in the uh, <laughs> playoffs to Philadelphia a long time ago, so doesn't surprise me. Gave up two goals on four shots in Game 7. Gave up two goals in whatever, a minute 20, minute 20 to Chicago yeah. to lose on home ice. I mean, he is what he is. Two U's, two K's, two Cups losses. I mean, you get what you get with Tuca. Um, but the Bruins, I'm not that worried about them, as I said, but they're just they're anemic if they don't win in regular in regulation then good luck i mean that oh, game's yeah. over they, they can't win in overtime and then god forbid they win in a shootout they're two for 16 on the shootout this year only charlie coyle has scored for anyone on the team in a shootout this year i mean it's a joke i mean i don't know why they can't score in overtime in a shootout it's i've seen people on twitter being like they do the top in town to win like what like par pasternak is an elite, elite offensive talent. Marshan was over 100 points last year. I mean, those guys are elite scorers in the National Hockey League. There's no reason why they can't score in a shootout or score in overtime. Like, Well, Cassidy's not even throwing uh, Pasternak out there in the shootout. Right. I don't know why. He, he came out and said, oh, we had a report that uh, the goalie was good against Deeks, so we went with the guys that were going to shoot more, and Pasternak likes to deke in the shootout. Are, are you kidding I mean, it's me? Not, it's clearly not working because no one can score on the team in the shootout. I mean, it's just they're atrocious. I mean, they got to be the worst shootout team I've, like, ever seen. I mean, this goes back to last year, too. It's like the Bruins, oh, they're going to overtime? One point. Yep. 
That's that's what you're gonna get when the Bruins when they don't run regulation. You get one point. You know, I mean, at least they are getting that point because the points add up over the time. Right. It does have its merit. Right. But you want to be able to. I want them at least to be like 500 in shootouts. Right. Like you're not gonna win every one. Goalie's gonna get hot for three shots. Yeah. It and happens. You're not gonna win every overtime game because three on three, someone's gonna get break. Right. They're gonna get some puck luck. It's gonna hit a corner. But I mean. It's not even like the Bruins are getting, you know, shafted in these overtimes. They're getting outplayed, and then they're losing mm-hmm. the shootout. I mean, it's just they've, they've been embarrassing when it comes to the overtimes. I mean, it's not even close. They It's not like they're playing. I can say to myself, oh, you lost to Tampa Bay in a shootout. You know, that's tough. Or you, even you lost to Toronto in a shootout. That's tough. I mean, you lose to trash teams like Philadelphia and the Panthers in a shootout in overtime. Like, Come on, like, you're better than those teams. Like, mm-hmm. when it comes to three-on-three, three, like, you just, they have elite scores. Like, come on. And, I mean, their power play has been stagnating a little bit too lately, which is um, not a good sign. But, you know, everyone's kind of been stagnating. So, it is what it is. It's a bump in the road. I think they'll correct it. They'll, they'll be fine. They're, they're a playoff team. Uh, maybe they can get hot again. But, you know, it's not the best of stretches I've ever seen, that's for sure. So I hope they can ride the ship. I think they will. But it's thankfully they started off hot. Because just, if they yeah. didn't start off hot and they'd been doing this all season, then you'd be there'd be talk of bench and Tuca and whatnot. But it's, you don't have yeah. that because they still have a good record. It is just surprising seeing how hot they were off the jump to all of a sudden dropping five of six, having, you know, blowing your biggest Having like the worst, um, you know, blowing your lead four goals um, in your franchise history, that's just like really one extreme to the other, which I was not expecting. I mean, yeah, I'd expect them to drop a, you know, a game here and there. Um, but yeah, like, and it was to the Florida Pan- uh, Panthers, which, like, you know, it's not like, you know, you, you were blowing a four goal lead to this elite offense um, or anything like that. So I guess that, that's just like one of those things. Maybe it's just a freak thing, you know, won't affect them going forward. And, again, hopefully Tuca doesn't have any more games like that because, like, that should not be a sign of things to come. Uh, just cannot cannot blow weeds like that. It's it's really that simple. You just cannot uh, – you, you can't give up a four-goal lead and let up four unanswered. Not acceptable. But, I mean, people say the worst lead in hockey is three goals. I guess the Bruins has proved it's four. I think it's four. Yeah, they're really, they're innovators, trendsetters. But they're still top of the Atlantic. Yeah. Which is fine. And yeah. they're still by three points, so that's more than a game. So, you know, like we said, thankfully they started off hot so they can afford to stagnate a little bit because that's the cushion they built, which is good. Right. This is, we're in kind of Patriots territory right now. We're, we're nitpicking with some stuff that necessarily doesn't need to be uh, a problem, but... They're playing. They've been playing so good that there's not a whole ton to talk about negative with them. Yeah, you really have to analyze it right. closer. Where with the Celtics, she's get that Jalen Brown guy off the court. And oh, okay. here we go. Best well, record in what the a lovely game. segue. What a lovely, lovely segue. Thank you, Zach. Um, Boston Celtics. Uh, you know they their win streak, ten game win streak ends against uh, the Kings, and you know they're coming off. A nice win against the Phoenix Suns. They play the Clippers, um, and then the uh, Nuggets 
Um, they play the Clippers on Wednesday. Those are two legit teams. A big test there. Uh, I would say, you know, hopefully everybody plays there for the Clippers, meaning Kawhi, uh, just so they can go up against some more legit talent um, and sort of see how they stack up there. I think uh, I just going to the uh, Suns game real quick, I liked what I saw from Grant Williams. Uh, Time Lord, uh, defensively, they are just, I think we said this last week too, but they really are a lot um, ahead of schedule, I think, defensively than what we thought they would be uh, to start off the year. Um, And Tatum, Tatum is uh, absolutely legit. I think he's really, really shining this year. He's able to actually play his game, and it seems like he's worked out the kinks, um, you know, that he had at least last year or wasn't able to improve on last year. And the three-point shooting, uh, again, overall, I, I think is very good for this team. Uh, they're at least getting open shots. That's That much is clear when Marcus Smart is shooting 37%, Tatum's at 38% from three, Brown's at 39, and Walker's shooting 40%, Hayward at 43, but he's hurt, obviously. And Marcus Smart also sprains his ankle against the Phoenix Suns, which is disheartening because he was playing really well. He was guarding Devin Booker, uh, 15 possessions, um, and only allowed a total of two points from Booker. And Booker is by far and away their best player, best scorer, a guy who's put up 70 before, albeit uh, asterisk 70 because they were just feeding him at the end of that one. But regardless, holding uh, Booker to two points on 15 possessions for Smart, that's just showing you what his value is right there. And the fact that you know he's, you know he's not. Um, he's like embracing his role. You know it's like he he doesn't have to be a guy that's out there for 35 plus minutes uh, with a high usage rate. No, he's not that kind of guy. He's a defensive guy that's scrappy and that has had some nice um, passes here and there. Uh, it seems like he's actually finding guys like Grant Williams. He found a couple times. He found Jalen Brown uh, for a deep pass um, against the Suns as well. So, yeah, sprained ankle. They're going to miss him against the Clippers and Nuggets for sure. Um, but, again, like... Well, he hasn't been ruled out for those two games yet. Right. I I don't know. I, I He I, did come out. I don't think he's going to play. I don't want him out there. Uh, but he did come out today or last night and said he, want, he wants to play on Wednesday against the Clips. So, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, what you said, Dan, I, I mean, I got... Nothing but good things to say about this Celtics team. They lost a heartbreaker in Sacramento on Sunday. And I can't believe that floater didn't go down for Marcus Smart. But, you know, West yeah. Coast, 1230 start. I'll cut him some slack on that. Left Coast team, or right Coast team going left. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't matter. When you go that way, it doesn't affect you that much. Uh, but Tatum, you mentioned playing good. Still can't make layups. I would just like to see him improve around the basket. He's shooting under 50% inside five feet, which is awful. But, you know, as I mentioned last week, if he can just start making these layups and stuff, his, he'll be putting up over 30 and stuff like that because he's, he's getting to the line a lot more than he did last year, which is really good. He's got the Durant move going where he does the up and under when he gets, someone gets his arm caught on him, and those are two free points. The refs are going to call it every single time. He's got that reputation now, which is good for him in his third year. Jalen Brown continues to be solid. No matter what Zach tells you, he's a really good player. <laughs> Kemba Walker's been good. And just this team is just so much like the Celtics teams of previous years, excluding last year. With the Isaiah. scrappy, 
gritty teams. You know, I remember they, when they had Isaiah and stuff before pre Kyrie, they were one of like the best teams in the league on the second night of back to backs, where you see a lot of NBA teams just dog it. You know, two games in two nights, second one. I'm not going to try, especially coming off a heartbreaker like they did in Sacramento. Last year, no way that team wins last night in Phoenix. Not a chance, especially because they were down early. The Celtics, my one major gripe with them is they've been getting off these awful starts. They got off to an awful start in Golden State. They got off to an awful start in Sacramento. They got off to a bad start last night, too. I mean, yeah, you can't – You it's okay – you know, they're gritty and stuff like this, but you can't be getting down 10 points every first quarter because you're not going to be able to do that against the Clippers or against the Nuggets. You're not going to win those games. But You can't so, do in the playoffs either. Yeah, their defense, just unbelievable. I thought they were going to be one of the worst defensive teams in the league this year, and they're, they're number six as of right now in, in defense. And Phoenix was a top 10 team coming in to last night's game, and you held them in their own building on the second night of a back-to-back when Phoenix is rested to 85 points. Beautiful. Unbelievable. Unbelievable defensive performance, especially in this state of uh, NBA basketball where everyone's scoring out of the gym, especially when they had an awful defensive performance last week against Washington, albeit they won, but they no one wanted to play defense in that game. But just very impressive. The Celtics... They've just been so good this year. I do want to see how they do on Wednesday and Friday. Those are huge games, just to see where they're at. Right. They're playing legit NBA Finals-type teams on Wednesday and Friday. You already got one win against the Bucs, who's a Finals contender. But the rest of the teams are still to be along this way. They're just not. You know, Toronto's a playoff team. They beat a couple playoff teams here and there. But they haven't played teams that are, are to the level of the Clippers and the Nuggets especially on the road. So these are some two huge games for the Celtics. If they can just go 1-1, one and because one, honestly, as much as I love the Celtics, I still expect them to go 0-2 oh in these games at the Clippers and at the Nuggets. But if they can go 1-1 one and one and somehow maybe, God forbid, they go 2-0, and oh, I mean, the ceiling's nothing but up for this team. But yeah. just, just to be competitive in these games against the Clippers and Nuggets is good enough for me, honestly, because... They've already got two wins on this road trip. I was worried that, you know, they drop last night. You're looking at a one and four road trip and questions start coming up. Totally. And, you know, I just really, really impressive win last night. I know they only scored 99 points. Their offense is still okay. But the defense, I mean, you can win on defense. There's going to be nights where you can't score, right? But you can defend night in and night out because that doesn't take luck like you know sometimes luck of the basketball yeah. shooting that Pride. only takes effort yeah motor right and that's that's been the most impressive thing to me they just have so much effort night in and night out that's why the over was such an easy play this year you know oh for their earlier. win, win yeah, total 100 they're, they're competing every night easy. whereas last year they just iso hero ball Kyrie Irving. Yeah, everyone stand around and watch Kyrie right. paint a picture on the and basketball you're seeing court. that in Brooklyn right now oh yeah Oh, 100%. To to that. Brooklyn was top 10 in, in sharing the ball last year in the NBA, and now they're 22nd. Yeah, and also, going back to Marcus Smart real quick, I, I'll tell you why. I, I want him to sit against the Clippers, and I want him against uh, the Nuggets because they've been they've been playing uh, some of the elite big men um, with Smart. They've been using him 
and putting him on these tall guys like Porzingis, Giannis, you name it. I want him on Jokic. And because ultimately, Jamal Murray, you can kind of figure out. I mean, you got guys on the perimeter that are quick enough. You should be able to figure out Jamal Murray. But Nikola Jokic, that's a bad man. And the Celtics do not have a uh, good front court, as we know. I mean, Robert Williams showing them a little something. Uh, Grant Williams, not terrible. He's undersized, though. Undersized. He had, I think, two blocks against Phoenix. But Jokic, man, they I feel like they really could use Smart in that game more so than the Clippers game because ultimately, yeah, would you like to have Smart on Kawhi? Probably. But the dude just sprained his ankle. I know he said he was okay after the game, but... I mean, you're <laughs> bless you, Zach. You already, <laughs> you already don't one. You already, yeah. You already don't have uh, Gordon Hayward for the for the next month ish. So, I don't know. I don't think they can. It's not that they can't afford more injuries, but I really, you know, with Ennis Cantor getting hurt every other day and Gordon Hayward out again for like another month, I just really hope you know they manage smart well. Uh, if they don't think he should be out there on the court Wednesday, don't let him convince you otherwise. And save him for the Nuggets game, because I think you're going to need him more in that one. Throw him on Jokic. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that take. Uh, you have versatile wings like, you know, Tatum, who's been defending at a high level this year, and Brown, who's been defending at a high level yeah. this year. So, you know, losing Smart for those games, you probably you might not win them with Smart anyway, so it's not like the end of the world if, if he sits. Um, and they already have such a good record. Some like like the Bruins, as I mentioned before, that they've been beating all these teams and they they can afford to lose a game here or there, you know, now because they have this cushion of a lead over all these other teams in the East. So. I want to see the Celtics. All I want to see the Celtics be competitive in these next two games. If they go zero and two, and they lose in the fourth quarter, they keep it close. Right, then I'll take positives out of that. If they For get sure. blown out, I'll say you know, maybe this is the Isaiah Thomas Celtics that compete really hard and they beat up on the crap teams in the league because they give one hundred fifty percent every night. And if you give one hundred fifty percent every night. And you have a little bit of talent like the Celtics You'll do. You win teams. 50 games. Yeah, easily. Because the league's down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you see, that's an interesting comparison because, yes, I did love the IT era, but you really did have the sense with that team that, yes, I, I love what I'm seeing. I love the compete. I love the fight. But ultimately, we're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, they're going to go up against LeBron or whoever, and it's just not going to be enough. Like, simple as that, not enough. But with this team, I just don't see it like that. I just think the, the main difference with this team compared to the IT era uh, Celtics is the potential and the ceiling of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, a couple of these young guys, specifically Tatum, because I think he, within the next year or two, he's going to be your best player, and it's not going to be that close. Yeah, I mean, what I said about the IT Celtics, yeah. I just want to go on record and say that I do not think that this team this year is like the IT Celtics right. because they're much more talented. Just like in terms of, like, the way they fight. Right. The, the defensive effort. Right. It's all there. It's legit. Right. Like, the IT Celtics, okay, they win all these games. They play the Clippers. This Clippers team tomorrow night 
and they lose by 30 because that's a legit team. Yeah. Right? This Celtics team is much more talented than that. If you look at two-way players, Jason Tatum is better than two-way is better than anyone on those Celtics teams. Oh, easy. Al Horford was a beast defensively, but Tatum is good defensively, and he's better, much better offensively than Al Horford is. Jalen Brown is a better two-way player than anyone on those teams. Kemba Walker might be a better two-way player than anyone on those teams. So you you draft if you're drafting, you know, like right the best two-way players on these on the, the team this year versus the IT teams, you might have the first three picks coming from this year's team because Isaiah Thomas, as good as he was offensively, couldn't defend a lick. And Kemba Walker is also small, but he's got more hop, he's a little bit bigger, and he's actually he actually can defend. Like as yeah. much as IT would try he just didn't have the size to compete. Kemba Walker, albeit he is small, but he's not Isaiah Thomas small. So if he gives the same effort that Isaiah Thomas gave, he can actually defend, which is what we've been seeing so yeah. far this year. And these players are just so much better. I mean, Jason Tatum versus Jay Crowder. Jason Tatum is so much better than Jay Crowder. Oh, just not even Jalen Brown versus Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley is a really good defender. But Jalen Brown is a better player right now than Avery Bradley ever was mm-hmm. on the Celtics. So the team overall just has so much more talent. So that's why I'm saying that they're not the 2016 Isaiah Thomas teams that win 57 games and then get blown out in the Eastern Conference Finals because this team, just they just have so much more talent. Also, I would say... The way they're constructed, um, like their backcourt and their frontcourt and how so you know how thin they are on the frontcourt, I think, you know, we really just had an expectation that, you know, that uh, the lack of depth there or the talent there was going to lead to a lot of defensive struggles and Kemba Walker being a question mark as well. But it's really just like, I think, also a product of today's NBA. But like 10 years ago, yeah, this team would be probably one of the worst defensive teams in the league because every team back then had bigs. Everybody, you know, had guys, legit uh, uh, shot blockers and guys that, you know, would play back to the basket. These days, you really don't have much of that. Uh, you're only, like, real big men are, like, your Joel Embiid, Porzingis, who's having a down year, Nikola Jokic. But those guys aren't traditional big men either. So there are guys that can, you know, they'll extend out to the perimeter or whatnot, and they're not really restricted to one style of play in the paint. So... Yeah, 10 years ago, this defense gets shredded uh, almost on a nightly basis. This this era uh, where everybody's playing small, it's uh, positionless basketball, I, yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't hurt them. It really hasn't. And I at least, like, you see the progress with uh, the lower-tier prospects like uh, Robert Williams or, or whoever. The, we still haven't seen Romeo Langford. But, you know, Taco Fall's been low-key having a nice little time in, uh, in the G League with the main Red Claws. So, just, you have at least young talent that is getting on the court. Uh, and your Grant Williams, uh, Carson Edwards had a nice night um, putting up 18 a few nights ago. So, I, I don't know. It's like, the potential with this team is a lot more comforting than how, with the IT Celtics, you just knew there was a ceiling and you knew that ceiling was lower than uh, a championship contending team. So that's like one of my favorite parts about this team is that there's a, a mystery, like a mystique to just how good they could be by the end of the year. Right. I completely agree with that. And as you mentioned about the big men, you mentioned KP, 
likes to play on the three-point line. Yep. Joel Embiid likes to play at the three-point line. Nikola Jokic likes to play at the three-point line. The Celtics can afford to get away exactly, without yeah. having a true huge big because so many teams in the NBA don't have them anymore. It's, yep. the Warriors. it's the Warriors model, right? You just have all these wings, and they, they're ball-dominant. you got to send everyone out, and that opens the lane. You can drive, kick, shoot. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's won championships in this league, obviously. So when you see teams that the Celtics play that have real, true bigs, and I'm really only thinking of one name in particular, and that's the Pistons and Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. Andre Drummond torches the Celtics. I mean, I don't have his career splits against them, but it's, it's got to be something year. like 30. Like, whenever the Pistons play the Celtics this year because they haven't played him yet, Andre Drummond will not maybe he will go for 35 and 20 oh, or something like that because the Celtics have no one to defend him unless Robert yeah. Williams somehow turns into the best defensive big man in Drummond the league will overnight. bully him but because he's just thick the thing about the Pistons is that the, the Celtics can get away with that because they have no one else right oh yeah so you have all these teams you don't, I don't have Derek Rose I don't know yeah <laughs> Like, if you were to tell me that this team has a, a dominant center and they have good wings, then I would be worried. But there's really no team that has a true dominant center and really good wings Yeah. in the NBA. Like, you look across the league, okay? And I understand that center is the best player on the Nuggets, right? But he doesn't play like Andre Drummond. Yeah, he's not a right? back-to-basket you can guy. Afford to put a, you can afford to put a mark. Marcus Smart. Yeah, yeah, because, literally. Because they don't, they, they're not going to use their height to an advantage. You can't put Marcus Smart on Andre Drummond because no matter how f- much the fight is in Marcus Smart, Andre Drummond, when he's two feet away from the cup, has six inches on him. So yeah. he can just dunk or lay it in up over him, right? Yep. No one really does that in the NBA anymore besides, like, your Andre Drummond. So the Celtics don't have to worry about that because the Pistons aren't good. Yeah. And, I mean, the Sixers, I guess, but the Sixers... They can't shoot the ball. No, yeah, they don't year. have perimeter guys. They, uh, their loss of JJ Redick is humongous. Yes, and it's they miss him. Very time. high key overlooked loss from last year because Ben Simmons legitimately cannot shoot anywhere. It's unbelievable. There's never been a player. I'm convinced there's never been a player like Ben Simmons in the NBA. I mean, how far and few between? Yeah, right. I mean, to be so dominant and yet still not be able to score. And he's teams are starting to figure out. He's not having that good of a year this year. No, I mean, the Sixers overall, they're one of the big, I would say, clear-cut disappointments. Like, yeah, they lost Jimmy Butler. They shared up uh, Tobias Harris, though. They brought in Al Horford and, uh, I mean, overpaid a little bit for Al Horford. And they just they did not get off to a great start. Yeah, they beat the Celtics on opening night. But then the Celtics have looked far better than them ever since uh, opening night. And, yeah, I mean, I I wonder. uh, We're still really early in the year. But I wonder if there's a move to be made by the Celtics, ultimately, as we get closer to the trade deadline. Is there, like, is there a glaring need? Like, obviously, yes, we would would all love some top-tier talent. But we know that's not going to happen in a trade uh, this year with this team. It's more so going to be a depth piece or just a, a spot to you know, shore up a weakness. 
Is there, you know, and not to put you on the spot, Jonathan, but is there anybody out there in the league right now that you think might become available or is available that the Celtics should take a look at or at least make a phone call on? Well, I I do agree with you that I think they're going to be active, right? They're always active yeah, under unquote. Danny Ainge. Um, they still have this Memphis pick to play with, okay? Yep. So Memphis has been playing okay. The Celtics-Memphis pick is this year, if it's outside the top six, it goes to the Celtics. If Memphis lands inside the top six this year, the pick goes to next year where it's unprotected. So if, right. you're, if you're a Celtics fan, you want Memphis to be awful this year, have it inside the top six, and then be awful next year too when the pick's unprotected and it could potentially be number one. But the way the Grizzlies are playing, it doesn't look like right now that that pick is going to fall in the top six. So I think you're going to be looking at, you know, the 8th, ninth, 10th, somewhere in that area that the Celtics are going to have that pick. Yeah. So the question is, is do you move that pick, right, this season for a big man? Because that's what everyone says they need, right? Yeah, ultimately. Or do you hold on to that pick and pick a big man, right? Because listen, hear this logic out. If you pick a big man or even a guard with this eighth pick or something, okay, you target your guy and they're cost-controlled for four to five years. L- low money, right? Yeah. And if you trade for someone you're taking on and they're a veteran, it doesn't matter. If they're good and they're paid high, that's a problem for the cap space. If they're a rental you lose them. The thing about this young guy, if they keep the pick, is that he can be good and he can be cost-controlled because the Celtics are going to have serious cap issues coming up because you have Kemba on the book for a huge contract. You have Jalen Brown, who's on the book for a huge contract starting next year. You have Gordon Hayward, if he opts into his player option at the end of this year, for a huge contract. You have Tatum, who next year or the year after that will sign for the max. He will 100% sign for the max, whether it's with the Celtics or another team, but I would assume it's going to be the Celtics because they have his bird rights and he's a restricted free agent. So you have all this money tied up, right, with five people, and that's where the value of this cost-controlled pick could be, especially if they perform like a top-10 talent. Yeah. So I'm saying to you right now, Dan, my main point is, are they going to trade that pick? And my answer is, I don't really want them to, even if they, even if it doesn't become the number one pick, because it's still going to be a top, you know, it's still going to be a lottery pick, and you'll have this person cost controlled for many multiple years when the, they're up against the cap, and I don't think you're going to get that value back from anyone you trade for because they're either going to be a rental or they're going to be overpriced, and you're going to have to get rid of one of the guys you have now. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do, I do. I mean, that's the thing is like the Memphis pick does have potential and that's the issue is like yeah it, you get a rental he's he's going to be short term and then he's out the door you bring in a veteran you you are going to hamper your cap space and i mean they had to jump through hoops and ladders just to get Kemba signed and you know it ultimately it costed them Marcus Morris a guy like that who that was okay though yeah that's okay it caught, what it really cost them was Aaron Baines yeah and they that's would true. they they could really use if they had Aaron Baines right now. That would like Aaron Baines would be the perfect person to like 
trade for. Like yeah. Aaron Baines come home. Yo, just a one for one swap. Tice for home. Baines. <laughs> yeah. And not only is Baines having a career year this year, he also has one of his one of his uh, stands has one of the best accounts on Twitter. I just want. I just <laughs> that's want to true. Say no, that. that's that's valid. That's valid. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wow. But yeah, I. The thing is with that Memphis pick, I I just don't see it becoming that like valuable, like more valuable as a trade um, asset. I think this year it's probably going to be almost at its most valuable because I don't see that Memphis team getting any worse. I think John Morant is legit, and you know he's only going to get better. I just worry that that pick is ultimately going to be uh, like deep in the lottery. You know, like a, a twelve, a thirteen, maybe a fourteen. Something like that, which kind of concerns me. Yes, like, could they ultimately use the pick? Sure. But at the same time, I think you want to try to strike for an NBA championship, like, but obviously between now and I think your your best shot with this core, um, I'll, you know, namely Kemba, Gordon, and then the young guys, I think your real best shots are going to be within the next three years, max. Uh, at least, like, with this group as it's constituted, uh, unless you add anything, obviously. But I think with Kemba, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Tatum, that group, it's really the next, like, three to four years, I think, is, like, you're, you really need to try to win a championship in that window. Because those guys, Tatum, uh, he's, you know, he has a few years under his belt now. Brown has, he's in his fourth year. He's got three under his belt already. And he's obviously starting to bloom a bit, Tatum as well. So next three to four years, they should win a championship with this group. If that's that's bold, I mean, I mean, it's been how long since we got rid of the big, the big three? Twenty thirteen, okay. Back in twenty thirteen, if you told me they weren't gonna get to an NBA Finals, possibly within the next decade, as a Celtics fan supporter, that would man, I would feel like absolute crap. Like, you're telling me we're going to trade away the big three, we're going to get all these unprotected Brooklyn picks, and we're going to accumulate all these assets, and we're not going to make a finals for the next 10 years, and LeBron's going to be out of the East by the year 2018? You told you tell me all of that. I expect the Celtics to get back to the finals 2022. Like, there's no excuse for them to, to not make a legit finals run in three years. In three years' time. I think that's fair. I mean, I don't disagree with this statement that I think they'll make the finals in the next four years. I, I honestly, I do. But my thing is, is that I don't think I can just guarantee it. Because no, yeah, but no, I know, I know. I'm just saying it's like, come on, guys, we're at, we're at, you know, we're, we're getting to a point here. You, you tried the Kyrie thing, it didn't work. You brought in Gordon Hayward, uh, Brad's, you know, freaking third son, whatever, and it's like. You're making all these moves. I, I love it. I love that Danny is, is active and he's trying to make this work. But come on. Like, if they don't get at least get there in three years, it's a failure. And Danny Ainge, hot seat has to come at some point, man, because, I mean, I'm not getting him in trouble for something he didn't he hasn't done yet. But, I mean, it's one NBA championship, uh, two appearances in, what, 15, 16 years of him being here? I mean... He's a great GM. He's one of the best in the game, no doubt. No doubt about it. But with this group, he better 
get at least close. He better at least get to a finals with this group. All right, I got a question for you, right? Yeah. So you've been talking about this group, okay? So do you think that this group, as it's constructed right now, is good enough to make an NBA Finals? Yes. Yes, right? Yes. yes. So then why would you make a trade? Well. When you could keep the pick and add on a lottery pick to this core that you well, already think is better, I is didn't, good enough to win a championship. I didn't say that they needed to make one. I just don't know that. I just have concerns about that pick in general becoming less valuable over time. Right. Because I think Memphis is only going to get better. I think that John Morant, legit, I think he's going to be an all-star in this league. You know, you get, right. one, you get one guy like that. The thing, is, what I'm saying, right, is it's how you value it, right? Yep. Do you trade this pick right now and get something that affects you immediately and maybe is a rental, right? Or do you value, because I value the idea of having a lottery pick added to this core and held under contract for four years. I can't see anyone on the open market that I would trade that for right now that has more value than a lottery pick added to this team for four years. That's true. Because if you hit, if you hit on that eighth pick, or whatever. And lottery picks anywhere in the lottery. I mean, they hit all the time. It's not like, yeah. obviously, the one, the top, you know, three are going to hit more often. But you can hit in the lottery anywhere, yeah. right? If you do and you add a lottery pick to this core that you already said is good enough to win a championship as constructed right now and you don't have to go through hoops yeah, because they're under contract with the rookie scale then I don't see why you would trade that pick because That's you fair. have the potential to add a lottery pick to a core that you said can yeah. win a championship right Ultimately, now. Ultimately, yeah, I, I think so. It's just a matter of, you know, so that pick, could they ultimately could not be making that pick for another year, right? Right. So it's just, if they have the patience for that, fine, fine. If, if, they're, if they're sure they're going to be able to re-sign Tatum and Jalen Brown when the time comes, fine. If you want to wait and use that pick, by all means. But, you know, we know this NBA. We know guys aren't guaranteed to stay. Uh, it's a fluid league. It's as fluid as it has ever been, easily, by far. So, yeah, if, if they are confident that they will be able to lock up Brown and Tatum, by all means, hold on to the Memphis pick and use it. Because, yeah, a lottery pick, a big man lottery pick somewhere in the top 14 added to this squad? Oh, man. Then we're really cooking, and who knows if Grant Williams and uh, Robert Williams uh, progress at all. Look, they look good. Robert Williams looked good this year. Grant Williams looks like they could have gotten a little bit of a steal uh, with him late in the first round. Very versatile defender. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Zach, do you have anything to add before we close out? Uh, not about the Celtics, but I just want to give a shout-out, uh, a little golf. Um, hey. Oh, we love this. Let's go. Brandon Matthews this weekend on the PGA uh, Latin America Tour in the Argentinian Open. Uh, he went into a playoff against Ricardo Silva or Celia, and he missed a putt on the third playoff hole when a fan screamed out while he was uh, in his backstroke putting, and he ended up missing the putt to lose the tournament. He went back in the locker room, and an official came out and told him that the fan has, is a man with Down syndrome and was crying that he 
made him miss the putt. So Brandon Matthews came out, felt so bad that the man was upset about this, gave him a hug. They talked for a few minutes. He gave him a glove and a ball, oh, told him it's not your fault. It was all and it was all good and everything and just a great show by Brandon Matthews and just wanted to give a quick shout out to him. Why be in? What a feel good story to end the show. You know, we should we should start doing more of those. I love feel that. good to end the show. Yeah. Feel good to end the show. I like that idea. Well, right, Jonathan's on you next week. You got to feel good. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that's our show for this week. Uh thank you all for listening. And again, follow us on Twitter. We throw those in all the descriptions. And yeah, we'll be back next week, same time, five to seven. And you know, we'll see if we'll get Ryan in studio this time, or if you'll have to call in again. But anyways, uh, thank you all for for listening. It's the Mouth and Off Show on WBIM ninety one point five FM. Have a beautiful week, everybody. We'll see you later. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains. Shenandoah River Life is older Older than the trees Younger than the mountains Growing like a breeze Country roads Take me home To the place I belong West Virginia Shine, teardrop in my eye, country road.